Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. Yes, no, it's the I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm so scared. scared. Yes, 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 I do. No, um, I had a friend in undergrad, an actor named Brian Barr, who would quote that in full volume, screaming it, singing it, oh um, full dramatic reenactment constantly. Anyway, that has nothing to do with what we're about to talk about. So it has we, everything to do with what we've been talking about. Nothing to do Technically, with if you want to talk about angst, I feel like Killmonger. There's a lot of angst. There's a lot of angst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is angst, angst to the max. It is. So, yeah, so we are reading Black Panther Killmonger by any means uh, is the subtitle as if there were more issues. I do not know if there were. Um, it was written by Brian Hill and uh, I think illustrated by Juan Ferrer. Ferreira, Ferreira, yeah, Ferreira. Um, so basically, this is this is obviously, at least to me and Adam, you can double check me on this. Very tied to the uh, Black Panther film, and this seems to have a lot of uh, backstory for that character. Uh, backstory which I may deem unnecessary, but we will discuss that. Um, but we have with us the Todd, the Lena, the Adam, and I am the Brian. Uh, so and we all uh, have fun coat pops now because that's what Brian's getting us for Christmas. I mean, problem is I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I, I'm moving away <laughs> from here, so that's going to be way more difficult. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see how that all goes. Uh, Adam, what is our cocktail for this week? Uh, cocktail this week is called the backstabber. Uh, you're going to take an ice filled shaker. You're going to add in two ounces of gin, uh, one ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice, a half ounce of ginger juice syrup, two dashes of Angostura bitters, and one uh, egg white. You're going to shake the shit of it you're going to strain into an ice filled glass and garnish with a piece of crystallized ginger crystallized ginger like the little candy ones you get oh okay yeah got it i use those yeah drink just sounds really fancy so you got to say crystallized ginger crystallized uh cool um who has drinking game rules or elena what is your drinking game elena go thanks mine was very i gotta tell you take little sips every time (laughs) you sit here and go you need to go to fucking therapy and deal with your anger issues Mm -hmm. take a fucking drink and i mean like like the smallest sips you could possibly think because it's basically almost every fucking page Mm -hmm. this kid needs to go to therapy yeah i just hold the drink and waft it yeah Yeah, at that point i mean just (laughs) don't put it down is basically what it is yeah. Okay. Uh, Todd, do you, is yours different enough, or do you need a new one? Um, mine was the angry god. Uh-huh. So every time he was conversing with his inner monologue self, but uh, you know, talking with the god of what he worshipped, you needed to take a drink. See, you sort of combined Lena's and what was mine, but I was going to call that the astral projection. Anytime he meditates and talks to the spirits of Wakanda, take a drink. Um, And this wasn't the nice spirits of Wakanda. No. This was the angry. The nice one tries to show up like Mufasa and say, hold on there. And he's like, no, 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 no. Back, back. No, I don't care. Uh, Mr. Adam, do you have anything else to add? Or do we basically just have like one drinking game? Oh, no, no. Actually, uh, mine, mine was tied into my, my drink. So mine is called curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Every time someone gets double-crossed, betrayed, or talks about double-crossing or betraying someone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Another one is, there's no good guys here. No. Uh, Also, I would argue, uh, is was that necessary? Um, Like... 
there are certain plot points in here, like, and, and that's sort of where my first kind of complaint about this would be. And uh, I didn't, I didn't feel like the quote unquote romance in this was needed for the development of a character. And I kind of sure. think it actually weakened his character from the film because it like, it made that angst feel more cheesy and teenagery. And I kind of liked him more as someone who was rightfully very politically minded in what he was doing. Like, well, rightfully minded, but not necessarily rightfully in his actions of how he was dealing with that. And I was going to see if anybody else had similar opinions to that as I did. One thing I, I learned about this was, so we we had to kind of delay recording a little bit. Uh, so I read this less than a week ago. And then today I read our second book we're doing, so we're doing a double header. And then I was, I hadn't thought of a drinking game yet. So I was like, well, shit, what was that book about? Like, I yeah. can honestly tell you that having read it less than a week ago, I mean, I kind of picked up on some stuff when I was flipping through it, but I, it's so forgettable. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't even read it. Like there's nothing stuck out and said, Oh wow, this is cool. Like, yeah, it was interesting seeing some of the backstory of, I'm just, you know, tying it into the movie, but yeah, like, like you said, there was a lot of stuff in there that just wasn't necessary. Like yeah. uh, the, the relationship that he ends up just, you know, that she fucks him over, he kills her. Like it was, it was like, you read it in the end, you sat there like, well, what was the point of that? It didn't do yeah. anything. It just, it did fill in some dots from A to B, but, but I don't think there are dots that needed to be filled in. No, B's where the story gets good, and that's where it matters because mm-hmm. he is an excellent villain in Black Panther. He's one yeah. of the villains who is right, just going about it the wrong way. Yeah, uh, and I think you can argue he's one of the one of the better Marvel villains. But I just nothing in here. I I didn't feel like it was his personality. It felt like it was slapped on trying to prove the point that we had to have this happen so we can give him that backstory, and it just felt vapid yeah that's probably the the best word i could use for it so yeah it's uh yeah i i agree with that i would argue um that also unfortunately um there are a fair amount of marvel books that are fairly forgettable um from time to time because yeah there there is i don't don't know what it is but like uh, yeah i don't know marvel i think what todd yeah todd always says that todd's not a marvel person and honestly i don't read marvel anymore i mean i think they I cut my teeth on Marvel. Yeah. But of all the books we read, I mean, we, I mean, we don't really read too much DC either. It's all a lot of more indie stuff, but mm-hmm. I can honestly tell you that when a Marvel book's coming up, I'm kind of like, ah, crap. I don't, I don't really want to yeah. read this. And I, 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 my, my opinion is that I think DC in general are better made con- comics just flat out. If you're going DC versus Marvel, DC makes better content. Um, I think the art's often better. Um, I think that the writing is better. They're more willing to take risks and do interesting things. They also do more interesting things within their main storylines and not just their one-offs. Um, and do I you think, think the writing's better. I mean, have we talked about the Marvel style versus not? Well, and I don't know how much of this is still held in Marvel style, but yeah, th- that is an interesting question. Because um, yeah, the Marvel, the, the the big difference historically was that Marvel was really driven by the artist, where the artist would basically like the writer would give a general plot, the artist would figure out where where all the action was and then the writer would go back through and then add back in dialogue um which i'm sure works amazingly well for someone like bendis who can then go do the bubble run that he wants to do um right. and then dc is far more <laughs> plotted like you would typically expect and i, I got to imagine now with multiple writers because part of the reason why the marvel style was the way that it was was because they had one writer who was stan lee and so that was his ability to put out eight books every month was to have you know eight 
artist doing the books and then he would just go through and add in dialogue after the fact um another thing with bendis real quick that i realized a while ago is the amazing part with the bubble runs mm -hmm. is whenever you see a bubble run every bubble is something that didn't need to be drawn on the backside. oh yeah so if you're drawing for bendis your uh, your output is probably a bit quicker yeah because of the amount of bubbles yeah if he's on his bubble run he's yeah, not well, because, always there but if he's there yeah it. it's it's always a close-up 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 up. like you yeah you just draw a face and then you copy paste it flip mm -hmm. it the other side adjust copy paste it angle it a little bit yeah, yeah. and then the artist the artist for hickman's easy too because he has to make room for all the smug so <laughs> they have to draw that much less too. <sighs> unfortunately i recently read a hickman book that i liked and I, i'm hating myself for it a little which bit. one was it which one did you like uh i read the second volume of uh black monday murders and liked it i like okay. the first volume too um it's interesting it uh, i will say as much as i've railed about hickman i have not read it yet but i did pick up house of x powers of 10 i'm actually trying reading that like i it's well i've been taking some time to read it but it's not bad by any means it's definitely a new take on the x-men and it did from my understanding from like maya and other people who read it it did take everything about the x-men and kind of flip it on its head like you find out a lot about moira mctaggart you didn't know mm -hmm. uh, sure. so th that's been interesting i i can say that right. yeah i want to go back to this a little bit is okay. um, talking about dc versus marvel and this is a backstory that he was angry at the beginning of the book he's angry at the end of the book it gives him a little bit of cred throughout the story you know we he has with other villains and whatnot right this is establishing some credibility besides just education yeah i'm angry mm -hmm. but um if you look at it for a better i mean even similarity is the um what was handled great is black manta on the dc side mm -hmm. of these two characters is he's got a personal vendetta mm -hmm. against the hero but it's um it seems much more natural mm -hmm. and uh, and i get it and the backstory enriches the vendetta and this one though not great i mean it's just it's all there but yeah it's everyone's a bad guy i mean and it's what's interesting it seems like they're trying to take on by introducing fisk because fisk is a big bad and trying to rub off of fisk for establishing his credentials here outside of wakanda yeah it really seemed to be a lot of the structure of it yeah part of the problem of i had with this though is also if you look at like an origin story okay so you have an origin story mm -hmm. of a character you learn you know why they're angry about something or why they've chosen something and you also learn how they discover and develop their powers you like okay so this guy is really smart he goes to what like mit or yale or, or yeah. something like that, right and then all of a sudden he's in a crime world and he knows how to fire guns and be you know essentially a mercenary there is no explanation as to where he gained those skills like so it's like okay so sure. why did we need this you know what i mean like it's just like okay so we know he's smart yes we know that from the movie as well but we like we literally gained nothing from this book so lena what are your thoughts um the women in this were totally useless and i yeah. don't know why they were there uh the, the first well, the first the first woman where he like I I'm guessing that was he like they were together they were talking and it was his advisor or whatever yeah he ended up sleeping with her but I wasn't sure if it was like an established relationship or if it was like him just fucking her before he left and then calls her colonizer and I'm like I have no idea what the hell is going on mm -hmm. at the beginning and then the whole piece with the um, night. And him, and him calling her his queen, and all. The, and I was just like, "What is the point of this?" And yeah. this is so. And it's funny because this is something that 
um, Sasquatch and I have been talking about with some sh- like movies and shows that we've been watching recently. We started watching Foundation on mm-hmm. Apple TV Plus, and um, the first episode was really good. It, it set up the story really well. It was really interesting. And then they get into this like romantic relationship between two of the characters. And he's like, why do I care about this? Like, these are just, you you don't show them progressively getting together. It's just like all of a sudden it's two years later and they're in a relationship that they can't tell anybody about, but you have no idea why you should give a shit. And, and he goes, and I just don't get it. And so I looked it up. And in the original book that foundation, like uh, of foundation Mm -hmm. has no mention whatsoever of any romantic relationship at all. Mm -hmm. And it was added specifically for the show. And my assumption is, is to get women to watch it. Or to give them an excuse for a nude scene. So they get more men to watch it too. But There's no nude scenes. That's Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Like Mm -hmm. there aren't, there, there aren't any sex scenes that have to do with this couple. So Mm -hmm. that's why it just seems so strange to put it in. And it felt the same way with this. Where it was like, why do we need somewhat like, I don't understand. It just feels so unnecessary. Like, I don't know. It, the whole thing is just, I don't know. Well, and also as you put those, like, I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it, but as you put those two relationships back to back, okay, so you have the, the woman at the beginning of it who he then calls a colonizer and walks out. Okay, so that either leads to him being uh, emotionally unavailable, which is probably possible, and or like have some animal magnetism that he can just you know get or whatever but like okay so he's not tied to her but then he falls for this other woman at the drop of the hat like all of a sudden it's like overnight he's in love with her enough that that's going to be part of his driving factor moving forward i'm like that's that character doesn't jive like that doesn't make sense on both sides of that thing like that person there's no logical reason why they would be both sides of that you know no. like those are two different characters that yeah. like you know it just and if it was just to show what a dickhead he was you didn't need yeah women to be the target of of that he's pretty much an asshole to everyone like yeah. he and the fact that his whole thing came down to like he was trying to go after claw and then he gets stopped by fisk and then he ends up turning around and getting pissed off at her it just felt very like let's blame the women for why he is the way he is and it's mm-hmm. like no 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 that's not how this works i just it didn't, uh, it was unnecessary. And then um, total side tangent, um, when Bullseye showed up, that outfit just cracks me the fuck up. He, I was like, <laughs> is this the Riddler? What the hell am I looking at? Like, I, for a minute, had to, I actually laughed out loud. And I was like, okay, I need to remember that, that like, this is Bullseye and he's some goofball. But I was like, I, you know, I get that everybody's in outfits and costumes and shit in Marvel, but, like, he looks like such a goofball ball like mm-hmm. I, I how and i get it he is deadly and everything but when you look at him you're just like dude you're that deadly what the fuck are you wearing mm-hmm. like what is this? all of his budget went to uh his gadgets not his wardrobe yeah so. <laughs> just take the fucking thing off your head like yeah. i just don't like just you know the the hood thing that he like that his half mask thing that he he just looks so weird and i was just like i don't is this necessary like again 
And I guess the other piece of it is there, there is no backstory. There is no explaining why he's such a pain in the, like why he's such an asshole. Cause all the shit as to why he's such a dick, they didn't really touch on. They hinted, they showed like little vignettes of things that happen, but a vast majority of the story was this relationship with these criminals and this woman and it's Mm -hmm. just like but that's not what created him to be a jackass like that so i just i don't know this was and and don't get me wrong i he might be one of the most unlikable characters i think i've ever read or seen in any movie Mm -hmm. i hated him and I love the actor, but yeah. fuck, I hated Michael this B. character. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. I, I, uh, I hated this character so much because there was just, there was, you. There, they didn't tell the story well enough to understand why he felt the way he felt. Even in this book, they never explained the, the back, the real backstory of why he felt, why he felt the way he did. He was just angry as fuck all the time, but they, they hint at things, but you never get into them and they go off on this shit with, with Kingpin and everything. But like, I just, there's nothing redeeming. It was just to blow up the world. And it's like, yeah, okay. So you're just like a regular villain. Like there's nothing, there's nothing special about this, this story. At least for me. Yeah. So I think in this book, I 100% agree with you. I think there's no fucking point to this book. Like it's called by any means, but you really should be called like it said by any means necessary. Was this necessary? But um, <laughs> in the film, if I wrote for like Rolling Stone, that would be my headline. <laughs> that would be the- <laughs> Filmmonger, was this necessary? Was um, necessary? But uh, I think in the film, and it's been a while since I've seen it, so I may be totally wrong, and there'll be someone screaming at their phone later about this. But. I think it's like he blamed Wakanda for killing his father and for abandoning him in America, but also abandoning uh, his uh, culture in America where they had all this moving, this progression and they were all left behind. It was sort of like this. Why did you not come and help us? Like we are, you know, part of your family and you didn't come and help us. And I felt like that was sort of his driving force, um, which is part of the reason why I liked him because I'm like, I don't feel like he's totally wrong. Um, I don't feel like Wakanda's totally right either um and in fact to the point in time we're like at the end of the film if i remember correctly they sort of kind of start going along with what his ideals were um they're like okay we're gonna open up our technology and, and be more accessible brought like outside of wakanda so like yeah exactly that's that's he what died, yes. he kind of wins you know kind of but except he wasn't but that wasn't but i guess for me killmonger wasn't about wanting to go out and help people that was what he said but the driving forces and a lot of stuff just felt very, he was driven by revenge and not wanting yeah, to actually help other people. And yeah, I think I mean, that was the whole thing. He was a traumatized child. He was a hurt and kid who wanted to do revenge for that. This piece of shit into yeah. account. Yeah. This mm-hmm. doesn't help what he's talking about. No, it weakens his character. I think this whole book weakens that character. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. it's just this, this whole book was not like this storyline was not well done at, at all. And and I still think they need to put Bullseye in a different outfit. So, yeah. <laughs> we can also call this book uh, Killmonger because no one demanded it. <laughs> <laughs> By unpopular demand. Um, okay. This was an assignment. Yes. The only... I pos- was under contract. Yes. <laughs> 
the only positive I personally have for this book is it's short. Se- well, it is short. The sequences where he is sort of meditating and talking to the spirits of Wakanda, it was easier for me to follow that experience than it was in the Tennessee Coates Black Panther we read a couple of years ago. I don't know if anybody else felt that same way, but like when we were reading that, like that sort of like drifting in and out of the spirit world kind of thing, I didn't identify as much of what was going on. The fact that you do see him sitting down and meditating when that happens made it make more sense to me. Uh, like in a, I don't know that that's the only thing I'm like, okay, well that sequence made more sense to me on what was going on there. Um, than it did in the other one, but other than that, that's, that's pretty much all I got good to say about it. Anybody else have any thoughts? Uh, no. So we are going to go to grades. Um, Mr. Todd, what's your grade? C. Okay. Lena. C. Mr. Adam. Uh, I'll do what Todd said. It didn't offend me, but I didn't like it. So C. Uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm same there. Like it's, it wasn't horrible, but it definitely wasn't worth reading. So I'll go with a C as well. Um, cool. So next week, uh, we are starting our month of sword and sorcery. Um, we are going to be doing uh-huh. a book called Monstrous by Marjorie Liu and Sarah Takata. Yeah. Okay. Takita Takata. Takita Takata. It's all wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so we're doing Monstrous. Sort of, it's a book that I've read before. I think Todd had read before. Um, I didn't enjoy it the first time I read it, and we will see if my opinions were changed when I reread it, see if Todd's opinions were changed when they reread it. Um, I do remember it being an absolutely gorgeously illustrated book mm-hmm. um, and uh, and all of that. But uh, So that'll be next week. And then we're going to do uh, for the rest of Sword and Sorcery. We're going to be doing Autumn Lands. We're going to do Brides of Helheim, illustrated by one of our uh, favorites, Joel Jones, and Once in Future, written by one of our favorite writers, Karen Gillian. So, uh, and Dan Mora on the book is amazing. Oh, cool. I haven't haven't looked into that one yet, but I'm excited about it. So, So. Brian, it's kind of funny you mentioned that you read Monstrous before and you didn't really like it. Uh So, it's about, obviously, next week we'll talk more, but I bought this book like two years ago and I've literally sat down to read it three times and I could never get through the first 20 pages. So, this is the first time I kind of had to read it. So, maybe my thoughts will go along or be different than that as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, that's enough of our uh, sort of uh, promoing the uh, next week's episode. Uh, But, yeah. So, uh, uh, and then April, we got to figure out what the hell we're doing. So uh, there's that. Um, anyway, so uh, that'll jo- do it for this week. And uh, that'll do it for our uh, Black History Month. Uh, thanks for joining us. And we will see you all later. Bye. Bye. I didn't hear Lena in that one. Oh, I definitely heard She was there. there. Yeah. Oh. yeah, she was there. Her heart's just on it, just like this book. <laughs> oh.